Hey, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to the My One Two Three Cents Podcast. It's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Kevin! You're stupid. Hey friends, welcome to episode 483 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. If you are watching uh, on YouTube this week, thank you, first of all. And secondly, uh, I apologize for the different look and perhaps even the different sound. Uh, my usual recording area is uh, under construction at the moment. We're putting in a, a new wood floor and hopefully I'll uh, be able to get in there and have more of a studio-like feel to it eventually, sooner rather than later. But right now I'm in the spare bedroom closet recording. Chad Smart is here, of course, and so he's not the only turkey here today. I did bring Gobbledygooker out of the uh, uh, other room to join us for this week's episode. Chad, what's going on? Uh, not much. I'm just noticing that if I turn this way, if you're watching the video, it looks like I'm about to be eaten by Mondo. <laughs> Yes, that is true. Mondo, the My One Two Three Cents mascot, the monkey, part of the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network, and it is President's Day, and we wish you uh, well if you have the day off, fortunate enough to uh, have a job that gives you President's Day off, which I actually am in that situation right now, so I'm excited about that, uh, but we're recording on Sunday afternoon, um, or I guess late morning on Sunday. I am wearing my Gorilla Monsoon t-shirt. Uh, he was a former WWF president. Uh, I figured the other authority figure t-shirt that I have right now probably wouldn't be appropriate to wear. I might get canceled if I do, so you can figure out who that is uh, by process of elimination, I'm sure. But Chad, authority figures in pro wrestling is the topic today. We're not going to go through and, and name our favorites, although I certainly uh, would, you know, like to hear some of your thoughts on the past because really authority figures have been around since we you and i have been wrestling fans you know it was a a lesser presence back in the day with jack mm -hmm. tunney with jim crockett on jim crockett promotions bob geigel would weigh in every once in a while on jcp as well what are your thoughts on those early days of the quote-unquote authority figure because vince mcmahon was really the man behind everything but back then he was just a commentator yeah. Well, first, I was going to jump back because you were talking about the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network and President's Day. And I thought you were going to give a shout out to El Presidente de Monkey, Greg Mahachko. So we got to get, we had to name drop him to keep him, you know. I don't think keep, those are words, but okay. El Presidente de Monkey. Well, <laughs> hey, my Spanish is a little broken, okay? Uh, pobre. Sure. Uh, that means it's four. Oh. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> if, you, if you followed my Instagram story from last week, I hashtagged 
series of photos with need to learn Spanish. So let's just leave it at that. <clears throat> uh, yes. Going back to your question, I, you know, I, had you not mentioned them, I wouldn't even have thought of Jim Crockett or Bob Geigel. Like the only authority figure I recall from that I would re that I would classify as an authority figure was Jack Tunney, who um, I believe, you know, we've come to find out wasn't even employed by WWF during that time. He was just a guy that was walking by on the street and they needed someone to shoot a little video saying pretending to be president or you know, in charge, and they just pulled a guy. You know, that was welcome. I. It's true. I read it on the internet. Now, he was a promoter in Canada. He wasn't just a. Cop. Oh, oh, and that sounds more legitimate than what I just said. Canada's not even a real place. Oh, here we go. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you're wearing the shirt, so I got a art on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, you know, for years, uh, probably close to a decade, I didn't pull it up to, to double check it, but I, from when I started watching wrestling until, uh, you know, the, the mid nineties, when Gorilla Monsoon eventually became, uh, president and then Roddy Piper, but, uh, there's always been kind of that authority figure in, in that role. And I think, you know, really when we got into the attitude era, that role became more of the heel authority figure and, and, and. You know, I say the attitude era, but really Eric Bischoff, I think, deserves the credit for being the first true heel authority figure with the NWO storyline uh, back in late 96. So, um, you know, 25 plus years later, we're still using the authority figure as a regular, you know, they're, they're regular members of the show, basically. Um, and I know we've talked about, excuse me, about that before, and it's kind of a... Um, I, I think you probably more so than I think it's it's a bit uh, overplayed and overdone. Or am I putting words in your mouth? Slightly, but I agree with you. Yes, it it is overdone, and the heel the heel authority figure is way overplayed and it's way done. And that's you know one of my I guess criticisms with modern wrestling is that we're still going by things that have been around for over twenty years. You know, twenty five, like you said, without with very little evolution. Although with that point said, I would say that we are probably in the best phase of the authority figures mm -hmm. since the days of Jack Tunney and Gorilla Monsoon, because even though WWE has uh, Adam Pierce and Nick Aldis, and you see them pretty much on a weekly basis, they're not the, you know, the, I guess the heel figure trying to, uh, screw over the baby face or trying to stack the odds against someone, you know, it's more of a legitimate, okay, I'm running the show. Here's what's going on. Okay. If you're going to test me, you know, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say, but I'm not necessarily going to give you what you want phase. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, we'll start, I guess, with WWE since you brought up Nick Aldis and, and uh, Adam Pierce. Adam Pierce was kind of doing it all by himself for a while there. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times the authority figure role, uh, the whole point of it was when someone couldn't wrestle anymore. You know, we saw it with Mick Foley. We saw it with William Regal when he was injured, Kurt Angle for a while. Uh, so is it just giving these superstars who would probably still draw some attention and, and draw some fans and viewers, uh, giving them a, a, an on-camera role uh, where they're not getting physical, 
you know, back in the in the eighties, those roles were filled by, you know, managers, you know, Bobby Heenan, Mr. Fuji, mm-hmm. Classy Freddie Blassie. They couldn't wrestle anymore, so they became managers, but now it's more of this kind of mouthpiece figurehead of the company, uh, an extension. And and I think, you know, when we knew that Vince McMahon was really the mastermind behind everything, did the authority figure even need to be a thing, you know, because Mm -hmm. Vince could come out and I think sometimes did come out and kind of overrule or Trump, whatever the authority figure was, was stipulating uh, on a show. But then I know they would throw in, sometimes it got too convoluted with, you know, we're bringing up the board of directors and we're bringing up the CEO and the CFO and all these other people. Do fans really follow all of that logic or, or supposed alleged logic? I doubt it. I think the, you know, the main thing is the storytelling and, and whatever the result would be, who, you know, doesn't matter who's, who made the match. If, as long as the match is happening or if someone is, you know, being suspended indefinitely or, Yes, I believe that's how Gorilla Monsoon described when Vader got suspended. He was suspended indefinitely, and they didn't know how long he was going to stay in the air. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Um, so do you think with The Rock returning, you know, he is um, on the board of TKO. I don't know how much they broadcast that on uh, programming, but obviously the internet is abuzz with it, and, and mm-hmm. we know uh, that it, it is a thing will they use that in in any of the storytelling do you think i know that on smackdown friday night as as we're recording this uh before raw uh rock said he was going to do everything in his power to to uh, make sure and if and again here come the wrestling conspiracy theorists i want to get your take on this too when he said uh, I'm going to do everything in my authority or in my power to make sure that you lose at WrestleMania. He never said a name and his body position changed and he was pointing at Roman Reigns. And I don't know mm. if you've seen this conspiracy theory and I don't even know if it's a conspiracy theory, but now, you know, there's talk at least among some that, that rock is going to screw over Roman. I'm leaning towards right now, Seth Rollins screwing over Cody, but I could be wrong. What 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 say you? Uh, I had not seen that. I'd only seen the conspiracy of, and granted, it was a photo, so who knows how long this actually was was done. You know, if it was part of another full on movement. But when The Rock went to acknowledge the bloodline, instead of holding up the one finger, he held up the gun salute. So, as I texted you, he was obviously throwing more acknowledgement to the Bang Bang Gang over in AEW, um, Blood Club Gold. And so I, I expect him to be all elite by by June. But I, I you know, two points here to take. So let me take this first. First, the conspiracy theory. I think at this point, with how long Roman Reigns' reign has gone on, screwing him out of the title would be the worst way to get the title off of him. I think it would cheapen whoever beats him, be it Cody, be it our truth which is who should do it or you know um whoever but i i I think having the rock come back and turn would not you know i i can see the justification like oh well that will then set up the roman rock match you know if it ever happens but i just i think it would cheapen the victory so um although if you 
buy into the conspiracy theories. The Rock really doesn't care about anybody but The Rock. So as long as he looks good, then that's fine. Um, the other point is, you know, is Rock going to use his powers with TKO board? They did mention it on the press conference that he was, you know, part of the board. And um, I can see them blurring the lines, especially if Triple H gets more involved. And, yeah. and but then it becomes a power struggle between The Rock and Triple H, and Triple H obviously can't yeah. wrestle anymore. So then, what's you know what's the payoff there? It's kind of like when Stephanie would be in charge, and you know she was terrible to people, and they could never get their heat back. Um, yeah. I, I and I like that with, with Triple H, you know, because I think you know they they have acknowledged that he is you know head of creative or whatever, but I when it comes to that character on TV, and I know he's come out and just kind of addressed the crowds and I want to get to uh, we'll transition here in a minute, but I, I want to also kind of talk about triple H's role right now, where it's not necessarily an authority figure per se, but it is kind of a figurehead within the company. Is that, cause again, I don't watch raw every week. So I just kind of see the clips on online and, you know, he's running the press conferences. It's it's very parallel to, to AEW Tony Khan, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But where where do you see Triple H's role right now? Is he does he trump whatever Aldis and and Pierce say and do? It, that's kind of my my view is he's kind of that Vince McMahon when he had you know Mick Foley or Kurt Angle or mm-hmm. you know Stephen Regal or William Regal running the show. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I think in the hierarchy of the company, it would make sense mm-hmm. for Triple H to have that. And the fact that they now refer to him as Paul Triple H Levesque, like they've, yeah. you know, taken the character aspect and minimized that in favor of the real person. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, he is there not necessarily as an authority figure. When he shows up, he's more of a company man, you know, promoting the company line or promoting whatever's coming up and kind of lead to my knowledge. And as far as I can recall, I don't recall him having many interactions with Pierce or Aldis. Um, I think other than, I think he introduced Nick Aldis when he first showed up. Yeah. If I remember correctly, but, but, you know, you never see them like talking and being like, Oh, well you should do this. Or why did you do that? You know, it's, so I think in terms of story, they try to give Aldis and Pierce the, you know, they're the the buck stops with them aspect, and then Triple H just comes in. You know, when a major announcement that has nothing to do actually with the match um, matches takes place. So let's let's talk about AEW uh, because, like like we said, twenty plus years. You know, really for us, forty years with with Jack Tunney back in the day, but. There's always been that authority figure, and and AEW, to my knowledge, has never really had a general manager or a commissioner or a president or anybody like that. Mm-hmm. We do get announcements frequently from Tony Khan. Oh wait, just a second. <laughs> oh, sorry, he was just making a new announcement. <laughs> Which, yeah, to the point where it's almost become a parody, kind of uh, Dixie Carter like. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about TNA in a little bit as well. But I, I you know, I, I want to talk to you about AEW. I guess that's one of the things that has differentiated the company from from WWE. Would Tony Khan, should Tony Khan 
I think I know your answer on this should, but <laughs> would, would he need to be a part of, a, you know, I almost feel like with the online community being kind of split on him, mm -hmm. I almost, and I'm going to probably regret saying this, but <laughs> what would be the risk or the danger in putting him on TV? And I know there's been a lot of criticism uh, from some of the podcasts that I listen to that he really needs to find someone that is a, a better spoken person out there. But to be fair, you know, before Stephanie McMahon found her groove, she was like nails on a chalkboard watching as well. So, you know, does AEW need that authority figure and, and should Tony Khan stop doing the announcements uh, as owner of AEW, Tony Khan, you know, how do you, how do you play into all of this as, as AEW or do we just kind of stay the course and, and not have an authority figure there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, right now, Tony Khan, it, it's hard for him to appear human when he's in front of the camera. So <laughs> definitely, I don't think he should be an authority, you know, on-screen presence more than he already is. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, for me, that's one of the things I like about AEW is that they don't have that authority figure that shows up. And <clears throat> even though I guess Tony and, and everybody knows that Tony owns it, they mention it frequently. They know that he's the one making decisions, but I guess he comes off more of just the booker than the necessarily the authority figure. Uh -huh. And, and I like the fact that, you know, if something happens, you don't go, you, you know, we don't cut back to Tony Khan being like, okay, this is what's going to happen. He relays it through Tony Schiavone and it, or Excalibur, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, Tony Khan just told me in the headset, this is, you know, this match is beneficial or this is going to happen. And I, you know, I, I think that is a good way to go one, because like you said, it separate, it differentiates you from what WWE is doing. And, you know, I think that's the, one of the biggest complaints with, you know, TNA when they were first coming up is that they tried to be WWE and they weren't fans that wanted something different, weren't getting it. And I think now if you're, you know, if you want something different than WWE, AEW does provide that better or worse, you know, and we've talked before about there are pros and cons to that sure. strategy. Um, but yes, sticking with topic, I don't think they need an authority figure. I think Tony Khan is fine. And, and Tony Khan reminds me more of the Jack Tunney, situation where you know you only saw him when you know if he's making a not necessarily an, he makes the announcements as i think owner and being like hey look this is what we're doing we're debuting here or we've got this show coming up or you know and, and those are the big announcements but anything that actually happens within the confines of the ring you know you don't need like i said like i said earlier just have him have the announcers bring it up have a graphic you know it's it gets the same message across in less time. So I, I think they should stick, stay course on that. Another kind of real life situation, authority figure uh, role recently came down with Scott Demore being released from TNA. And I, I didn't realize how long he had kind of been running things uh, for several years now. And I think was part of the whole rebrand of going from Impact Wrestling back to TNA. Apparently Anthem has let him go and replaced him with someone who I don't think has a whole lot of wrestling mm -hmm. experience and or knowledge. Uh, I think a lot of people 
have viewed this, at least on the online reports that I've read and, and some of the podcasts that I've listened to, viewed this as a step back. Obviously, Scott Demore was beloved. Um, and I don't know what I don't know how much TNA you were watching before this happened. I don't know what kind of role he had on camera. Was he an on camera authority figure as well? Because if I remember correctly, and he was around in those early days when we would watch the pay per views at your place mm-hmm. twenty years ago. If I remember correctly, though, he was just kind of the manager, the mouthpiece of Team Canada, and he was not in any other kind of. Uh, yeah, as far as I, as far as I know, I don't know if he had much stroke backstage and i uh-huh. think you know in the last i don't know five ten years however long it's been that he's been there he has been from my understanding the driving force of trying to make impact or tna uh reach the levels that it should have achieved you know 10 15 years ago when yeah. they if they hadn't tried to be wwe um and uh you know i don't watch tna weekly i i think and part of the reason is because it's a taped show it just something about the energy doesn't translate well and so i just you know and not a knock against tina because what i have seen has been really good in the last year or two but last time i did watch they had santino morella as their on-air authority figure and i think demore would show up occasionally but he was kind of more like the tony Khan situation where he's like he's running things technically you know he's making sure that the company is running smoothly and then having santino as the guy dealing with the wrestlers on camera um you know and i've read you know the reports that you've probably seen as well and and uh, everything going on i i do think i i don't fully understand anthem's decision to remove him uh, you know, something about the reorganizing and wanting to bring TNA more in line with Anthem's company as a whole and all their other projects. But I, from, and from what I've read and seen, um, I think the way that it was handled was done poorly. And as someone who, you know, in the last two, three years has undergone corporate changes myself and how those were done, I see a lot of similarities here. And I don't think. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a bad thing, but when you, when you start off basically telling your employees that they should be leery of you and you're not entirely trustworthy and to be upfront about something, you know, it could cause resentment down the line. And I, I, you know, we'll come back in a year and see how TNA is doing and see, you know, if anybody has left or if anybody new has come in based on, you know, the new structure of what they're doing. And that, and again, I think TNA is unfortunately in that position because they're not a live show because they're on a station that few people probably know exists. How, you know, there are rumors, you know, they were trying to bring in Braun Strowman. They made an offer for CM Punk. Are they going to be able to get top tier talent? You know, I mean, I guess they did just get Nick Nameth, but... Your mileage may vary on that one. Yeah, and I also had wondered kind of if the agreement with having uh, Jordan Grace at the Royal Rumble, you know, there had been some uh, 
speculation that Anthem may be selling and, and WWE could be a part of that and turning it into another uh, OVW-like developmental territory. I, these are all things that you hear and see on online and, and rumors. So I, who knows what is what is real and what isn't. Uh, I hope that Scott Demore lands on his feet, though, because everything I've heard, you know, he's very passionate about the business and, and has, uh, you know, a knack, I guess, for it. And like you said, TNA had kind of turned things around over the past few years and, and was uh, getting better with the storytelling and whatnot, the rebranding and, 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 you know, where they go from here. When you kind of start to get that momentum and then you pull one of the motivating factors out from that push, it'll be interesting to see in the next, you know, six months, 12 months, where they end up and, and how things end up going uh, mm -hmm. for them as a company. But I definitely think there's room out there for, you know, a company like TNA to be a, a part of the uh, landscape of professional wrestling. Um, you know, back to kind of more of the authority figure talk and, and, and conversations, you know, we've, we've hit WWE. We talked about what was going on or what goes on in, in AEW, maybe not necessarily needing that authority figure role. Um, I can remember back, in my days with Stride, you know, when, when Stride Pro Wrestling, an independent organization here in Southern Illinois, for those who aren't familiar, uh, company kind of got underway and started back in March of 2016 with, with the shows. They were doing some of the training prior to that to get people ready for these events. But, you know, Tyler Hatton, Tyler E. Hatton, who owns Stride or owned Stride, um, brought in Sam Hamblin, who was a friend of his from high school back in the day. You can check out uh, the podcast between those two, the uh, Chatting with Hatton podcast. But, you know, Sam was a fan, but was never a worker or trained or anything like that. And um, I think in order to have some, you know, somebody get part of the show and, and, and kind of keep things running and flowing, uh, he was named the general manager. He was a baby face for most of that run. And then when Sam left for some other reasons, I became the GM, uh, the interim GM, and then eventually the GM, along with being ring announcer and along with being doing commentary. And and I had kind of talked to Tyler about this a little bit, but uh, to me it was always awkward being the GM because I'm also doing commentary and I'm also supposed to be, you know, if I see somebody cheating or doing something wrong, and, and you know, and there are storyline circumstances where the heel has to get the the advantage for a bit, you know? So it's like, where do I draw that line of injecting myself and, and doing something that was quote unquote logical? You know, I'm, I'm standing here watching uh, somebody get, you know, assaulted with a chair and not doing anything about it versus, mm -hmm. you know, then the next match I'm coming in there and I'm laying down the law, so to speak. So that was always kind of difficult in that authority figure role where I think, in wrestling, in all of wrestling, sometimes that authority figure role becomes an illogical part of the equation, and and wrestling in general. And I think we've talked about trying to apply logic to an illogical situation in wrestling because you have a guy getting attacked in one match, and you know six referees and and the baby faces come out, and then later in the show or the next week, someone gets attacked, and and you know it's a five minute mugging basically happening in the ring. So. That's kind of a, a just a, a quick little rant, not rant, but a quick little synopsis of, of my experiences in, in that role of, of being GM, because it does become 
a situation where sometimes you paint yourself into a corner. Yeah, I was just thinking while you were saying that, the future episodes, maybe we can talk about does wrestling need instant replay? And it doesn't, you know, right now it doesn't have it, but if, let's say, you know, sticking with authority figures, Stephen Regal, William Regal, you know, when he was wrestling, would often use the brass knucks. And yeah. you would clearly see it on camera, but no action was ever taken by the authority figure, you know, by anybody to say like, okay, no, you're not going to do this. And, you know, we're going to have either another referee out here to watch your matches or because it's on tape on camera, when we see it, then we can reverse decisions later. Like, yeah, it's a whole situation where logic and wrestling, you just, you know, you just kind of shake your head and move on and realize that wrestling doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you start breaking right. down every aspect of it. So yeah. Yeah. Like, like the Irish have, whip. Yeah. When you have a tag team that, that splits up because, you know, the one guy thinks the other guy hit him on purpose yeah. while his back was turned. And then it's like, go back and rewatch the match. And you can or, clearly... or do you not talk during the week before, you know, do you only show up to see each other at shows? Yeah. Yeah. So again, yeah, we're applying the logic to illogical situations. Chad, uh, as we think about authority figures, though, and, and wrap things up, uh, one I wanted to throw out, and and I don't know if you were joking or not at the time, but uh, Pro Wrestling Tees right now has uh, a, a Abraham Lincoln micro brawler. Uh, he's wearing the uh, Andre the Giant type style uh, attire with the strap, and 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 of course that infamous. A hat, of course, people have talked before that Lincoln was did wrestle back in the day. Um, are you getting this figure? And uh, what, uh, uh, you know, because we have seen other presidents, you know, Donald Trump, of course, before he was president, was involved with WWE for quite a few uh, different storylines and events, hosting WrestleManias 4 and 5. And then later with the whole Rosie O'Donnell feud that you and I were bore witness to. Mm. And then, you know, the the battle of the billionaires. So uh, it's, it's not necessarily on uh, out of, of line for a presidential person, a presidential, a real life president to be involved in the world of pro wrestling. I was going to say, didn't Lincoln beat Luthez in a match? <laughs> Thought I heard that one time. Um, no, uh, as of right now, I have not pre-ordered the Abraham Lincoln micro brawler. I have thought about it, but you know, to me, unless it's a wrestler that I really like, uh, I, I find the price of the micro brawlers a little extravagant. Um, that's why I will just keep getting the free ones in my wrestling crate boxes every other month. Um, that's a much better price, even though I can't pick which micro brawler I want, which is why I have a uh, Skinner one sitting on my shelf right now. But, um, you know, I... Like I, not to get political, but I will always say one of the best things about Donald Trump being president was the fact that we had a WWE Hall of Famer as president because that just, you know, I don't know, that that amuses me. Um, you know, I, and I know, like, what was it, 20, 2008, 2012, 2008, because it would have been, they had Obama and Hillary um, do and McCain, I believe, do little oh. vignettes for like the SmackDown Your Vote, you know, aspect. I mean, obviously, I think wrestling is big enough that politicians should play in, you know, uh, not play into it, but 
should treat them as, you know, viewers to attract, it's a way to attract, you know, um, potential voters. But do I see, I, I mean, again, don't want to go too political, but given the way things look like they're going to happen in November, I would much rather see a hell in a cell match between Trump and Biden and that winner of that gets to be president than uh, have the people vote on it again. So let's just change it up. And, you know, if we're going to have a sequel, you got to go bigger and better or better. So, yeah, I would uh, maybe a, a hell in a cell inferno last man standing buried alive match and with both people losing. <laughs> And then this guy, the gobbledygooker, comes in and, and becomes our, our next president. You know, probably can't do any worse. Sadly. Well, that that being said, um, I do want to mention, uh, and, I, and I don't want to end the show on, on a downer note, but I, I do want to mention, we were talking about wrestling figures earlier, and uh, I debated bringing it up on the show because, uh, but it is out on social media, uh, Friend of the show, and, and Chad, I hadn't even mentioned this to you yet, but a uh, friend of the show and, and Stride Pro Wrestling referee, and he is, is now refereeing for some of the other companies here in Southern Illinois, Kevin McCleary. Uh, if you live in Southern Illinois, you saw the news on, I believe it was Thursday night, a massive fire, three homes destroyed, two others were damaged uh, in, in uh, the, the small town of Ziegler here. Kevin's house was one of those that was destroyed. Uh, he was a huge wrestling fan. His son, a huge wrestling fan. Lots of figures and, and obviously, uh, you know, lots of things destroyed in that fire. There is a GoFundMe that I will have the link to in the show notes for this week's episode. So if you would like to make a monetary donation, feel so inclined to do so. Uh, the little boy wears a size medium and t-shirts. I'm going to go through some of the stuff I have here. Uh, if you have some figures or, or, you know, if you're feeling generous out there and want to make a donation, you can reach out to me here at the podcast, or you can reach out again through that GoFundMe page and, and uh, help a family, you know, and, and obviously getting his wrestling toys back is probably low on the totem pole. But I do think that when you go through something like this and, and, and rebuilding and restarting, it's those little things uh, like your, your collection and, and things that can, can, Kind of bring you a little bit of normalcy. So, yeah. If um, you, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead and finish. Oh, I'm just going to say, if if people want to help, again, just reach out to me through the podcast, through the social media channels that we promote on, and of course, uh, I said, like I said, the the link to that GoFundMe will be posted as well. Okay, I'm going to add a little bit of levity to the situation so we don't end on such a downer. But um, you said he was a stride referee. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it about? I don't know, eight, 10 years ago when another referee and Booker for Stride had their house burned down. Is this maybe a Stride wrestler who is trying to get some, um, you know, wasn't necessarily on a winning streak maybe, or have you gone through the roster of Stride wrestlers who might have some, some uh, revenge motives? No, I, I don't. Um, uh... I, yeah, I forgot about Adam and, and Aaron's fire, too. That was, gosh, yeah, that was 10 years ago, 11 years ago. It was mm. in 2003, or 13. Time is so, <laughs> oh, God, time is crazy. But 
Yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought you meant when you mentioned figures, I thought you were going to talk about the A24 film company releasing the Zac Efron, Kevin Von Erich figure that you can get by on their website. Um, yeah, that, I wonder if they're going to do all of them. Have you have you heard? I, mean, I haven't heard. They only have Kevin available, um, you know, and I think it's like forty dollars. Oh, figures. Yeah. I mean, so I don't I don't see them doing any more than that, but. Uh, and Iron Claw is now available on video on demand for anybody who has not seen it and wants to watch it from the comfort of your home. Yeah. Is it through Max or how, how are people able to watch it? Uh, right now it's just rental. Oh, okay. But yeah, I believe A24 does have a deal with Max, so it will probably be there within a month or two. Okay. And you can go back and listen to our review of that. It was the New Year's Day episode of mm -hmm. the podcast, I believe. I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but go back and check the archives for that chad anything else going on that you want to plug or promote before we wrap up this week's episode uh you know this weekend we have uh, elimination chamber coming up and uh i'm trying to decide if i'll watch it late or if i'll get up at 2 a.m to watch it because being in australia the time difference that it will air uh, i'm sure you'll be up at 4 a.m because your bladder will have awoken you at that point so you'll probably stay up and watch but um no um you know, we're, again, continuing on the road to WrestleMania. I don't, um, I still don't know what the plans are. And I don't know if WWE knows what the plans are fully yet for the main events. But I think, in, as I said last time, maybe that's a good thing. And I'm not looking for logic. Again, as we talked about earlier, logic in wrestling is illogical. And they will just make things up as they go along. But sometimes not knowing where you're going how i ended up in saskatchewan <laughs> very true so any bold predictions for elimination chamber who do you think seth's opponent for mania is going to end up being uh, i don't you know there's the rumors that they're going to do the tag team match with roman and rock versus seth and cody on on night one you know if they do that will seth then defend on night two or is his knee that messed up that, you know, keeping him in a tag match will be better off for him. And then, you know, see how things go. Again, I think, I mean, the way the storyline is going, Drew McIntyre is the logical choice. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I think I would like to see Gunther versus Seth titles on the line. IC versus, you know, uh, world title. We haven't seen that in 37 years, 40, 30, 34 years. Four years. So, yeah, <clears throat> that's the way I would go. Okay, well, we will wait and see. We will have another episode for you coming up uh, next week right here on the My One Two Three Cents podcast. Thanks again for listening, watching, and again, leave us a review and let us know your One Two Three Cents about our One Two Three Cents. Have a great week. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.